Welcome to Gold Silver Pros, where you'll learn the ins and outs of the gold and silver markets. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Our affiliates are of the utmost trust, quality, and highest customer service in the industry. Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website or call 307-264-9441. COMEX and LBMA gold and silver derivatives. I mean, look at the treasury. Look at the treasury market. Um, when I, you know, in the world that I grew up in and, and cut my teeth on Wall Street in, you know, treasuries, treasuries were the, the rate of interest on treasuries were, you know, were supposed to lead the inflation rate by about 300 basis points, 3%. So, but I mean, if you look at the 10 year at 287, I mean, or even the 30 year at 3.13%, you're still negative in terms of the real rates when you, you know, when you measure it against the inflation rate. So, um, I mean, the Fed has, has just so inextricably intervened in all the markets that there's just no price discovery and you know again i guess getting back to what's going to trigger you know markets collapsing and gold and silver going parabolic i mean who knows what the trigger event is going to be it could be anything but when it happens it's going to happen quickly and you really do not want to be in paper financial assets when it happens and you want to already be positioned in physical gold and silver when it happens so if anything you know the artificially low price in in gold and silver, as you know, as engineered in the in the derivatives market, that's a gift. You know, especially if you haven't really started buying physical gold and silver now, because I can guarantee you, twelve to twenty four months from now, there's going to be a lot of people who look back and say, "God, I wish I started buying back then." Yeah. You know, I I look back to two thousand one. You know, and I've got silver eagles that were four bucks in my stack and i've got uh austrian gold philharmonics that i paid 300 bucks for and you know what i wish i had just unloaded my entire ira into physical gold and silver back then but and you know what i'm still buying physical gold and silver well, hey dave since you got this these such levels great, you got those at such great prices would you sell them to me because i see you have this like ton one you know, Chinese coin behind it. You don't need those yeah. eagles anymore, do you? No. Of... <laughs> Will you give me a discount? <laughs> the one-ton panda. <laughs> I think, Chris, you were going to say something? Yeah, well, in terms of that comment when he said they were at neutral, I'm looking at the Fed uh, minutes that were released, and they say the rate was around neutral that is neither supportive nor restrictive. So maybe they're saying they feel under normal circumstances without inflation, that would be neutral, uh, but there is the inflation. And I, I was surprised because the comment did seem so out of line with everything else that Powell said. In fact, he was talked as they kept saying, are we, the people, the reporters kept asking, are we in a recession? What happens if uh, you keep raising rates and we run into trouble? And he was actually mentioning that you know, we need to fight inflation. And even if that means affecting the unemployment rate or the economy, those are pains that we'll have to take, which I was a little surprised to hear that because that seemed a bit different than anything I remember in my time following yeah. Fed commentary. So, you know, like Dave mentioned, it, you almost, you, you wonder if he 
didn't get those words out as clearly as he might have wanted to. It was in response to a question. It wasn't part of his prepared remarks, but certainly everything after he said after making that comment suggested that they were going to continue hiking rates and that there was no immediate pivot coming anytime soon. And certainly that's well, the comments. You know, if you, if you read the policy statement and I, you know, like I don't, I don't do it. I haven't done it, you know, my entire career, but you know, this is a, 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 a interesting period, a transitional period in terms of fed policy. So for the last year, I mean, I read the policy statement word for word as soon as it comes out. I don't bother listening to the presser because that's just propaganda and BS. But, uh, and, and you know, first of all, the Fed's mandate, you know, I mean, you, you can laugh at this, but they, they're still referencing it as, as their benchmarks is price stability and full employment, right? So I don't see how the Fed can like all of a sudden pivot next month or even in November when you've got a, a you know an unemployment rate even though we know it's phony but they've boxed they've they've boxed themselves into that corner and they know it's a phony unemployment rate also but that's what they reference when they say the labor market's still overheating it's still too strong and as long as that unemployment rate stays you know really below I think full employment when things were a lot more normal back in the Volcker era and the early Greenspan era, I think full employment was considered, you know, under 5%. So, you know, as long as, as the government rigs the unemployment numbers and it stays below 4%, I don't see how the Fed can use that as one of their benchmarks and, and pivot. Because if they do, that, that's one of the things that could trigger a collapse in the markets after an initial shoot up and and um, a big a big rush into gold and silver. So, um, but the other thing that struck me about the Fed policy statement, the way it was written, and it did mention, you know, it was, you know, they, it, it said, and this isn't, this is a paraphrase, it said, we think it's appropriate to continue hiking the Fed funds rate for several more meetings. Um, of course, it will be data dependent, you know, again, they, they reference that concept. But every single FOMC board member voted in favor of that policy statement as it was written. And you don't, you don't see that very often, especially in recent years, because you've had the good cops and the bad cops. You've had the monetary doves, you know, like Leo Brainerd and, and Neil Cashin Carey, you know, and then you've had the policy hawks. So, I mean, even, even Leo Brainerd and that nut job who's the president of the San Francisco Fed, you know, even they are like firm about, you know, we got to keep hiking rates because the rate of inflation is still too high. Mm. And so that's why I think we're going to see it for a while. And that's not bad for gold and silver. It, it is it is as the paper market interprets it, but there's plenty of studies out there, the most notable being Adam Hamilton's, where the best periodic rates of return for for the price of gold occur when the Fed is in a, in a starts hiking the Fed funds rate and that and they're in a rate hike cycle. Yeah. So and that again, that goes back to the early 70s, his data. In 2003 to 2008, they hiked every quarter for 17 quarters in a row. There, there you go. Point in case. Went from 300 to 800, something like that. So that's right. And the, and the idea is because, you know, when the, if the Fed keeps hiking rates, people are going to know that that, you know, they're way behind trying to get inflation down. And I think the Fed knows that. If anything, 
I bet you behind the scenes in these meetings, they're probably, you know, um, feeling a sense of unease with what they've done in terms of their monetary policy and price inflation, because they also damn well know that the real rate of inflation is more akin to what shadow stats alternative CPI measurement is. They know they're, they're, they're freaking morons if they really believe that the rate of inflation right now is what the what the government is calculating it as. I want to throw something up to talk about inflation because I think inflation is a very big with respect to this argument. And if we look back the last time we had really big inflationary event, uh, it went forever. And if we look at where we are today, we're just in the beginning. So I want to remind people when inflation kicks up and stays up and it requires a Fed policy response, policy response, it's not month to month. We're talking year to year and it can take several years. This is months to date from the time at which inflation started last time and in which we had the peak in March of 1980. And you can see there how many months have passed. Is that 155? Am I reading that correctly? So yes. it's not yes. like the Fed can do anything about inflation over the short term uh, until they decide to aggressively hike. And the question for me really is, does this CPI right here continue to march up and force the Fed's hand? Does it moderate? Are we, is what we're seeing now an analog to that previous, uh, that previous occurrence? Is it worse? Any short-term talk about inflation to me seems to be premature and maybe a little bit Pollyanna. I think we got to let it play out and we got to see we've created more money this time. We have more debt this time. It could be even worse and it could manifest differently. It could go, go more aggressive very quickly. So I do think that any assumptions made by the Fed or the rest of the world central banks about controlling inflation, you really have to look at history, but then you also have to look at how this time is different. And I think now we're in a much worse position. So I don't even know if the chart I just threw up there is even adequate for the current situation we're in. We're and definitely so in a worse position now because first of all, you referenced the debt, but yeah. back then you didn't, you didn't have the money printing. They started printing money as soon as, as soon as they removed the, the dollar from the gold standard, but not at the rate that has been printed since 2008. I mean, no. so, you know, and it's not, it's not back then. It, it, maybe it was just a function of hiking, you know, shocking the system by jacking the fed funds rate up to 18 or 19% wherever it peaked. Um, and because the fed didn't have, there wasn't a lot of money that it needed to remove from the financial system, but now it's not, it's, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to um, bring down price inflation just by causing a demand shock. They got to remove liquidity from the banking system. And we already know there's at least 2 trillion of excess liquidity in there because that's what's being held captive in the reverse repo facility. Yep. If the Fed was serious about attacking inflation, they would convert that overnight reverse repo mechanism into a permanent open market operation and completely remove that two trillion from the banking system. I don't okay, think I got they a can. question for you on that. Sorry to interrupt, but it's a really important question. Yes, they're parking money in reverse repo and they're getting money from the central bank for that rights free cap free overnight cash. Um are they do, think about all the money that went in there? Why are they going for that cheap free overnight cash? Are they not getting returns in the market? I almost think the repo situation is caused by the risk in the market and people saying, I'll take the cheaper free return in this repo market than I will go and put it out in the market. I, it could be somewhat of a vote of confidence where people think the market's going in the long term. Oh, no question about it. I mean, yeah. the reason why you wouldn't 
lend that money out, whether it's to other banks that need it or to bit. First of all, I don't think there's a big demand for, for uh, commercial business loans other than to buy back, other than to issue debt and buy back shares. Mm-hmm. You know, these businesses are all cutting way back on CapEx. I mean, look at what Walmart said yesterday. It's canceled, it canceled billions of dollars worth of orders in mm-hmm. the second quarter. So the banks have all this liquidity that the Fed created and they don't have anywhere to go with it. So the Fed's like, hey, we'll give you free money. Just bring it into the reverse repo facility. Didn't it baffle you that they're not buying 12-month T-bills or two-year notes? I mean, I mean, okay, inflation's high and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, shit, you get your money back. I mean, you get your principal back in 12 months. Why wouldn't you, why are you going to earn five basis points annualized on your overnight repo and then just leave it sitting there? I mean, when the two-year note was 25 basis points, okay. You know, when they first bumped that rate up, what, a little over a year ago, when it was June and uh, 21. It, it just, I, 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 I pondered yeah, this. Is that too. a loaded question? Well, I, you know, I, no, it's not. I'm, it's not <laughs> I can, I can answer that. <laughs> well, why wouldn't, why, if you're, um, if you're, say, a money fund or whatever, and that's, you know, they had to start the dynamics of that back in the summer of last year when the two-year note was under 25 basis points, the Fed had to start paying five basis points on excess reserves to lessen the demand for all that short-term paper so that those rates wouldn't go negative. Well, shit, year, year on, that's not a problem anymore. And that cash that's sitting in the reverse repo just keeps going up. All right. I can answer that question for you. Because <laughs> you're the old grizzled veteran I hear. So the two-year rate is at 329. Yeah. So first of all, the banks aren't, they're not going to, they don't want to take the duration risk because what if they need that money and the two-year rate shoots up to 4%, it's a losing trade for them. That's what I was going to say. The repo market's like a short-term treasury in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The the repo market's a riskless two and a half percent rate of return or two and a quarter, whatever they're Mm -hmm. paying on the, on the, on the reverse repos right now. I mean, even, even a three-month bill. I mean, where's where's the the, the three month bill is at two sixty four. Well, the- let's let's say you buy that bill, and for some reason you can't. If you're a money market fund, and all of a sudden you start getting big redemptions, and you got to start selling your your assets, and the and the three three month bill shoots up to, even if it just goes to two seventy five, you're taking a big hit on that capital. I mean, that's how you break the buck on a money market fund. So, but I thought they were still paying only five basis points or something on excess. Reserves. Well, the, it may, it might be on an overnight basis, but annualized it's they've, they've moved the reverse repo rate up to something like, you know, it's just below the fed funds rate. Uh, well, then that's <clears throat> leave it there. Cause I, cause yeah, you're right. That cash is basically quarantined. You know, it's just sitting there. Um, right. And what would be the process by which Dave, they make it a permanent operation and get, would they sell with the fed take that cash in exchange for some of the the notes or the the bonds and notes on their own balance sheet and swap it back to the banks and make the banks own it and take the cash back i mean to make it go away you mentioned that earlier about well they could just you know they could do a permanent a pomo uh and and uh and and swap they'd have to swap that for something would they swap well yeah you're right that's a good point they'd swap they'd swap the you know the the um 
whatever they have part of their balance sheet for that liquidity and then destroy that liquidity and who but who on the but on the other end of that is the people that have that liquidity they're not going to go for that (laughs) you know what i mean i it just seems like such a conundrum i mean if the um, fed forces the issue i think you have to yeah i mean yeah well yeah if you're one of the member banks what are you going to do yeah it is it is i don't know i guess this for me it all kind of gets back to how upside down and and uh, everything inverted everything is since they started all this crap in 2009 you know it's gonna be a one-off oh no the ben bernank said it was a one-off they weren't monetizing debt even though they were buying treasuries and that kind of stuff and all they done is do more and more every time go ahead dave sorry so so the annualized rate on the reverse repo as of today is is 2.3 percent 2.3 okay and it's free money for these banks. Yeah. Then why would you take it out of there? You're absolutely it's the right. safest. It's liquid. It's like we talk about where would you put your money? You wouldn't put it in money market fund because or a CD because you're locked in. Yeah. Or you have risk. So what the banks are doing is saying, let me put it in some bank account where I'm going to get a higher interest rate than anybody else in the economy. Why why would I deploy it? And overnight. And you, and you got liquidity every single day. That's right. Yep. Chris, last thoughts. I know we've been going for quite a while and I love this discussion. I love you guys being here. What are your what are your last thoughts? It can be anything you want to talk about, but in terms of where we are in the market and, and, you know, what you'd like to say to the viewers about that and your thoughts on that. Well, I think what we're just talking about is leads back to what you said earlier. Why aren't people getting it? I mean, a lot of this gets pretty complex. I mean, a lot of it's uncharted territory. Um, And in terms of gold and silver, I guess there, there are times where I've, thought things were closer than they might be yet perhaps looking at as at it as insurance against all this um, maybe would be how I would update my thoughts rather than thinking all right you know well silver goes up to 26 27 bucks or 30 or 35 and then I mean that was never really necessarily my plan to sell there but just that gold and silver being insurance against some of these factors which get patched up and can get patched up longer than we might expect and perhaps uh, updating really the framework and what what the goal is that you're looking at gold and silver too. Agreed, understood. So my last comments are, and kind of tagging off of what Craig said, you go back to the Stranger Things world on Netflix, you have the upside down. And I feel like we're living in the upside down world. And my tether to physical reality here has always financially has always been gold and silver. So for me, I'm holding on to gold and silver because I want to get back to some rational, sane world, which makes sense. And that's what I'm holding on to. Certainly people can do different things. But while we're living in an upside down world, you know, uh, I do think it, it helps us to, you know, to touch base with each other once in a while and just check and see, you know, are we crazy? You know, all this stuff is happening and, and nothing seems to operate during the normal laws of physics. Uh, and and sometimes, you know, it just goes back to, you know, human nature and the way people respond to things. And I don't think we're quite at that capitulation point where people want to move and want to admit it and want to say this is what's going on other than guys like us who are sort of the hardcore analysts. And I suppose maybe that's the way I, w- I would look at it. Craig, if people want to reach out to you and get more, I know that you have a report so we can see there in the background. How do they do that? It's tfmetalsreport.com. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 12 years of this and yeah. uh going strong i you know it, it's funny i as you were talking rob i was just was thinking uh, you know what what do you do well um the site's been around for 12 years but it was 
uh, nine years ago this month that uh, I went to a subscription platform rather than just mm -hmm. ads, you know, and the like, and, uh, and I'm glad I did obviously, but um, so that means August is still because there's people that are still have been members ever since then. So I get kind of a surge of subscription income every August. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm going to have some leftover cash at the end of this month that I got to do something with. And so what am yeah. I going to do? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sending any more money to Schwab to buy miners, which is probably a good sign. That means they're probably due to go up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just going to buy more gold. I mean, the, I had the easiest thing I can do is go to one gold uh, where I, I keep money that the digital platform of Atmex, you buy close to spot. JM Bullion's got a platform like that as well. Yep. Um, I'm just going to buy more gold. I mean, you just said, Rob, you got to buy something real, you know, hold on to something tangible when everything seems like so intangible and unreal. So rather than, you know, stick it back into some other paper investment, I'm just going to buy myself some more ounces of gold this month and just keep doing it because in the end, the math is the math. And what's old Brent Johnson always say, if you believe in, in math, then you own gold. If you believe in magic, go ahead and buy all the other crap. But if you believe in math, Young gold, and I certainly believe in the math. So, Dave, I think you write a couple of newsletters. Tell people how they can get in touch with you on your research. Sure, but I have a question for Craig first. Have you totally like expunged the name Turd Ferguson? No, I use it. I, I still use it on my site. I've been wanting to ask this question. Yeah, no, I still use it on my site. I sign off my daily podcast with that every day because. But it um, it used to be everywhere. Yeah. Well, it, you know, that after a while, that just doesn't work, you know. I, I love that name. Well, it, <laughs> so every, you know, on my side, it's like any other website, you know, you pick a username, you know, so everybody's got, you log in, not with your real name or your real email address, but you know, whatever your username is. And my, my username is still Turd Ferguson. So when I, <laughs> I, uh, I love it. When I close I out it. my reports every morning, I sign them TF. And when I <laughs> wrap up my podcast every day, it's always Turd Ferguson, you know, signing off kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, my um, website's Investment Research Dynamics, and you can find more information about my newsletters there. <laughs> so Chris, I know everybody in my audience already, already knows you, but please let people know where they can find you in case we have some new viewers this time. Well, you can find me at ArcadiaEconomics.com and also YouTube where we do the show, Arcadia Economics, and have a lot of conversations like this. And Rob, I was fortunate to just have you on last week and mm -hmm. Dave comes on often and hopefully we'll have Craig back on there soon. Just trying to bring the different voices to make sense of what's going on and provide different perspectives, especially mm -hmm. with gold and silver. And yeah, I look forward to your research, Chris. I know you reach back in, in history and you know, look at, at testimony and, and things like that. And you yeah. really provide like a view on that market that a lot of us haven't and kind of looking at the players and how that's all kind of taking place. I do appreciate that view. And I think it's super unique on your channel. And I want to say for all you guys, I appreciate you guys coming on short notice. I mean, I really do. A lot of you guys have been people I've relied on in my own research and, and my own learning in this market over the last 13 years. So I appreciate everything you guys do. And, I, you know, ho hopefully you guys will continue to do in this in foreseeable future. Uh, because like I said, I, I read and, and watch what you guys do and I, and I appreciate that. And I know that my audience will too. So thanks everybody for jumping on. We appreciate that. Thank you, Rob.